As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A strange spiralling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man and that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Shocking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soule. Joining me, as with every other episode, otherwise I would have to research, is the wonderful fellow host, Holly Soule. That's not fair. You research some things. Well, I, I'm currently reading a book that will make up a three-part series. He because hopes. you didn't want to touch cults, but I, I love cults. I don't understand cults, yeah. so... There's no point in me trying. So, so I am researching at the moment. And I'm also writing the book that we're both working on. Uh, so I'm getting better. And I, I even read the show notes beforehand uh, because if you did listen to last week's episode, you'll notice that Holly tricked me quite a few, a few times. times because Holly peppered in these like, oh, this could be this and this could be this. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It could have been any one of those things. And you're like, aha, I know the answer. Yep. Read the notes. Yes. So this week I made sure you can trick me. Excellent. Uh, and that's all the levity you're getting, ladies and gentlemen, because we're about to dive into the Hoddle Street Massacre. We're back into the dark, depraved and murderous. So the Hoddle Street Massacre was also called the Clifton Hill Massacre at the time that it happened. So if you intend on going looking through newspapers, feel free to search for that. The perpetrator, Julian Knight, was adopted as a young child from a South African mother who his adopted family reassured him had died. He had a lifelong fascination with the armed forces stemming from his adopted father, who was a member of the Australian Army Education Arm. Now, he taught numeracy, literacy and Chinese to soldiers. And as a result of Mr Knight's employment, Julian Knight and his family moved a lot, both domestically and internationally. He was noted to have lived in some Southeast Asian countries as well as travelling Australia. Now, at school, it was said that he had a distinct fascination with Nazi Germany and World War II and basically hero-worshipped his adopted father. 
It's interesting, actually. He's not the first killer uh, to come from an adopted family. Uh, one of the most prominent ones that I can think of, and I was only just re-listening to this only a few minutes ago, literally as I was cooking dinner, uh, because we, we record all times of the night and the day, whenever it's opportunistic for us. But it reminds me of the son of Sam, who was also uh, adopted, Yep. Uh, found his way into the military, yep. became obsessed with the military for a time, returned, was obsessed with guns, and he went on to kill quite a few many people. Unfortunate. Mm. I mean, that's what they train you for in the army, but not civilians. No, not to go back home and, and start killing people. Uh, obviously, we've got some red flags here, predominantly being with Nazi Germany and World War Two. Though, as a child, do you think it just comes down to the bad guys look cooler? Well, people like to dress up as cowboys rather than Indians, so yeah. Well, I was thinking more along, you know, putting out my nerd cred here, I was thinking more along the lines of Star Wars. Like, if you look at, at, at some of my collector cases here, and I have quite a few, again, I'm a big nerd, you guys should know that by now, I've got mostly Darth Vader and Stormtroopers, and I, I think I've the got Princess Leia. The only hero you've got is Leia. Yeah, I only got Princess Leia. Because I, I, I was lucky enough to meet Carrie Fisher years ago before she uh, she passed away. And I thought that that particular figure looked really cool. But the point I'm trying to make here is sometimes the villains look so much more visually interesting than the heroes. Well, you put Darth Maul against Qui-Gon Jinn and I know exactly who the hell looks better. Yeah, Darth Maul. Yeah. Why'd you bring out the prequels? See, because that's because that you're was, not a Star Wars who, fan. That was who Darth Maul was fighting no, in the movie that I it's, watched. It's because you're not a Star Wars fan. I like so, Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're not a real Star Wars fan. No, you I'm not. Pre prequels. <laughs> uh, getting back to the point, though, do you think that this was just a child like seeing something that was visually distinct, or do you think he was more interested in the way that the the Nazis conducted war as opposed to the Allies? Do you I think this is the hint of the, the seed of evil? I think it's more along the lines of they look cool because if you look at a SS uniform versus, say, an Australian diggers uniform, the SS uniform looks cooler and much more, you know. Yeah, well, Authoritarian. It was designed by Hugo Boss. Yes, it was a bitch in suit just worn in the wrong context. Yes, it was. You can shrug at that, but whatever. I'm going to shrug at that and I'm just going to segue <laughs> to the next thing. Uh, and the next thing happens to be a quote for you to read, Matthew. Uh, this is from Justice George Hampel, who oversaw the sentencing hearing for Julian Knight. Since childhood, you have been fascinated with military life and war, and you did not grow out of that, as most young boys do. In fact, this became an obsession. War history, battle scenes, and combat became part of your fantasy world. Your fantasy life was built around heroic killing in battle situations, ending up in victory or your own death in the so-called last man stance. Which leads a little bit into the psychology of him, but we'll get into that as we get to it. As a child, Julian Knight was known to draw very disturbing cartoons, including guns, death, and red pencilers' blood. I've actually seen some of these uh, cartoons involving Mr. Seymour, the $6 million mouse. Now, that was written while attending Melbourne High in 1985, and it is gory as shit for a cartoon. Yeah. I used to draw cartoons. Like, I used to draw Joker and Batman and violence and... Did you draw, like, heavily detailed, like, artillery guns? Because that's what he was doing. I didn't know, but I was more interested in batarangs. 
yeah, that's a little bit less lethal than, yeah. say, an artillery gun. Well, it depends. In the hands of Batman, any weapon could be lethal. Batman doesn't kill. That's right, because he has a code. Julian Knight did not. <laughs> we got to stop doing these nerd. I don't know why. I think it's just because of these sort You're of You're, like, macabre- horrified. You've got to try and- Yeah, yeah, I've got to try and, like, not uh, be too enveloped in what we're about to talk about. Julian Knight joined the Army Cadets at 14 and enlisted in the Army Reserve at 17. I'm not sure if people around the world have cadet programs. I'm sure they I'm do. I'm sure they do, yeah. Uh, we have in Australia a couple of different cadet programs. You can become a Navy cadet, uh, Army cadet. I was a RFS firefighter cadet. And that's the Rural Fire Service, for those who don't know what mm-hmm. that means. Which is the Volunteer Fire Service. Yeah. That's what I did in lieu of sport. I learned how to fight fires. I went swimming. Anyway, uh, Julian Knight finally entered the Royal Military College in January 1987 at the age of 19, um, but he performed poorly at his studies and only passed his weapons expertise exercises. Red flag. (laughs) So he he passed what he loved. Yeah, which was shooting. He knew guns. He knew weapons. That's what he was focused on. But everywhere else, he... He failed. He was a C or D grade student. He was not very good at anything that involved writing anything down, for example, or following commands. Which is interesting because when it comes to Knight's intelligence, he is actually above average, isn't he? He's only a couple of IQ points short of me. So, Oh, a little humble brag there. A little humble brag. I've never done the IQ test because I've always been afraid. Um, Julian Knight also hated authority and the fact that the army hierarchy meant that someone only a few year, few months older than him could boss him around. I have the same personality trait. I hate being told what to do, which is why I was never stupid enough to enter the army. No, but she did enter the workforce and that has caused a lot of problems yes, for your bosses over yes, the years. Um, in spite of his poor performance, Knight had an IQ of 132, which is, as Matthew said, very much higher than average. Now, this is where I want to dispel some myths here, mm-hmm. where, where I want to talk about the mythology of killers, serial killers especially. Uh, now, in popular entertainment, it is massive. You have Mindhunter on Netflix. You have millions and millions of true crime podcasts out there. It's very, very important to not attach the idea of pop culture, the Hannibal Lecter serial killer. The Dexter serial killer. The, the, the Dexter serial killer. These people who plot and build and the, the, the super intelligent beings who could charm you and then murder you. It's really important to know that people with high IQs that are also killers are the exception to the rule. If you look at killers like, you know, for example, we're talking Australian massacres, in Port Arthur, you have Martin Bryant, who had an IQ that was so low that he was considered legally mentally disabled. 98% of the population is smarter than him. Yes, he was seen at 68. Uh, the Green River Killer, I think he was seen in around the 70s. That's American. That's correct. Now, the Green River Killer, he murdered and murdered and murdered. His body count nearly rivals uh, Ted Bundy, if he's to be believed, and if Ted Bundy was to be believed. Ted Bundy is kind of the... He is responsible, essentially, for the Hannibal Lecters. Yeah. Because he was very smart, 
to a point. Yeah. And it's very important to remember he botched his own trial through his stupidity. No professional lawyer would have said half the things he said. In fact, the reason that he was asking the questions he did was to elicit responses from the people in the witness box so he could relive his murders. He was getting off on it, not trying to defend himself. Exactly. And that led to his eventual incarceration and execution. So it's important to remember Knight had a high IQ of 132. But he was not a functioning member of society. He had no interest nope. in being a functioning member of society. He couldn't take basic instructions from someone. So it's important to make sure that we keep these people in their proper context. We're not talking about supervillains here, people. We're talking about regular humans and most of the time very stupid individuals with poor impulse control. Yeah, this is not Hannibal Lecter. This is closer to Ivan Milat. They are dumb. Uh, I have another quote here from Mr. Hampel, or Justice Hampel. Although your adoptive parents separated when you were about 12 and you felt rejected by your father, you nevertheless admired him and wanted to be like him. You have always wanted to be a soldier and getting into Duntroon was the ultimate achievement for you. For those who don't know, the Royal Military College is known around Canberra as Duntroon. So that's what that means. It's just down the road from us. Yes, it is. I literally drive past it every day. Yes, you do. On the 31st of May, 1987, Julian Knight found it very hard to conform to the strict structures of army life in spite of his idealization of it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, he found himself on the wrong side of a commanding officer over a breach of regulations. In response, Knight was confined to base, meaning he could not go out on the town and party like the other recruits that night. You know, again, not to care. I know I'll stop doing this, That's but why. the it's it's startling how much Julian Knight corresponds with other killers. Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, it's almost the exact same story. Like McVeigh had a decent enough intelligence, but he didn't like the army structure. You know. And he eventually washed out after, I think he went over to uh, Gulf War Part 1 before the next one. 
So it, again, it's interesting. You got the, the military training, military background, but not this, the military discipline. No, and Knight, you know, he's had this fascination with implements of death. You know, that's 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 death sort and of destruction. Yeah, death and destruction. Everything else. He can't do. He just can't uh, interact with these people or these structures properly. He can't life. He can't life. He can't life. Annoyed at this attempt to keep him from having fun, Knight snuck off base anyway and ended up at the private bin nightclub located on Northmont Avenue in the Sydney building, which is no longer there, unfortunately, so we can't go visit. Oh, that's sad. Like, the whole building's gone? No, no. That's where uh, Reload is at the moment. That's that building, but- the private bin itself is no longer a thing. It closed down in the 90s. Right. But the actual... So, what's in the area now? I is don't know. Is it reload? It, it, it won't specifically... I can't specifically find out which shop it is, but it's in that building. Oh, okay. I have the feeling it was reload because I think it was a double story, but I don't know. Reload is a video game bar. And if it's, you were it's from a lot Canberra of and you yeah. know this place and you worth, went to the private bin, let us know where exactly it was because we actually want to know. That whole area, I remember coming up to Canberra about 10 years ago just to uh, have a bit of party and, and go out to the nightclubs and stuff. That whole area, it was constantly rotating nightclubs. Yeah, they just rem- changed names. <laughs> I remember one month walking in and it was like a heavy metal goth bar. And then two months later, it can it could, had completely changed. I think Mooseheads is the only thing that hasn't changed in the last 30 years. Quite possibly. As the night wore on and Knight grew more drunk, he became rowdy. A sergeant who knew of him noticed Knight was off base and went to confront him. You, you, you think you can sell me not to, not to I don't think he was that drunk. Drink. Okay, so how, how drunk are we talking then? We Just talking- kind of inebriated, not slur in his face. Okay, you know what? You can't tell me what to do, all right? I'm just out. I'm here to have a good time. That kind of drunk? That kind of drunk. Drunk, defensive, and rebellious, the two fought. Somewhere in the melee, Julian Knight stabbed the sergeant in the stomach with his penknife while copping a broken nose and bruises in return. So this is a very pivotal moment in Knight's life. Uh, It's going to result in essentially expulsion from the army. He loses everything he worked for. Yeah, and all he wanted to do was get himself a big shiny gun and shoot it. That's the entire purpose of his life at this point. But it's a really good indicator of his personality, his mental state, and what he's willing to do. Now, even in a a punch-up brawl, you're drunk, you're out at a bar, even in that sort of situation, most people, until it starts to escalate, most people aren't immediately going to go for the penknife and stab the other person in the stomach, especially a superior officer. It really plays into his uh, inability to form with structure. It, it shows his inability to understand and respect authority figures and his compulsiveness you know and we all know people like this i've worked with people like this who can't comprehend or or they they choose not to they just can't fit in within the structure that they have to work in and so become disruptive to everyone else who can fit into that structure Knight ended up charged with two counts of aggravated assault and he appeared in the act magistrate's court on june 12 to face the charges the case was adjourned until November 10, 1987, when he would have to face the court again. Now, he had a $5,000 bail on him, which was about $12,000 now, and he did not have to report to police every day. 
Yeah, this is what most people have to do when you go on bail. Depending on the crime, uh, on the extreme sides of crime, you have to go to the police station, report, say, hey, I'm here. Twice a day. Yeah, they'll say, hey, what have you been up to? I went and did my shopping, came here. I'll see you again this afternoon, you know, and then you walk out the door. It doesn't ha- it, it happens a lot more when it comes to, like, violent offenders and people who they know are going to associate with other criminals. Flight risks. Flight risks is another good one. And so, yeah, you have to continuously report. Yeah, but Julian Knight didn't have to. Um, it's ch- not bad, like a, an aggravated assault charge with a deadly weapon, $5,000 bail. He wasn't even charged with deadly weapon. It was just aggravated assault. This is probably the military trying to save face. Yeah, probably. Because it was two recruits brawling mm. in a bar in the middle of the city. Yeah, like the Australian military at the moment is going through sort of a reformation. Like they're, they're reforming, they're thinking about their structures because there have been incidences of people getting away with things just because they are military. Yeah, not just assaults, all kinds of crimes. Yeah, so that we'll probably end up doing podcasts on yeah, some of those. Troon. Yeah, there's, there's more of these crimes that are coming to light. And the military, to its credit, the Australian military, to its credit, is actually trying to clean up these problems and, and trying to fight um, these sort of... They're basically scuffing their feet, saying, all right, you found us, we'll go fix it. I don't know. Look, that's probably not giving them enough credit. I think there are some generals at the moment, not to get too into it, but- The older generals are probably like, ah, shit. The younger generals are like, we're going to fucking fix this. Possibly. Look at Holly's biases. Yes. Look at them all on show. I don't like like authority. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The only reason she's not murdering people is because I have her researching on this podcast. Everyone just remember that. (laughs) Just remember that, people. (laughs) Julian Knight's charges, however, meant that his lifelong ambition to join the army or even his backup options of a reservist or a police officer were now well out of reach and completely unattainable. Yeah, because you can't become a police officer after an assault charge, I would imagine. No, he was immediately discharged from the army, though I did find a couple of reports that said he actually resigned. So whose story is right? I would imagine that he would have been given a dishonorable discharge for a stabbing at a superior officer. I can't imagine him being like, I just can't imagine any military outfit around the world being like, yeah, no, nah, it's cool. You can stay if you say you're sorry. I just don't think that's plausible. I think it was more of a forced resignation of you resign or we yeah. discharge you. Yeah. I mean, that's true too. I've also been in those situations at different works where they've said either resign or we'll fire you. Um, Not me personally. You've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. We have another quote here from Justice Hample. As Dr. Simi pointed out in his report, there is no doubt that when you left Duntroon, you're in a highly stressed and emotional fragile state and were depressed. This reaction was to build up even further in the setting of your attempts to come to terms with your life and the total collapse and disintegration of your life's ambitions. Now, because Knight did not have a, you know, front up of the police order on him, he returned to Melbourne where his mother was. So, he still had to face charges in the ACT, which is Australian Capital Territory, aka Canberra. Very confusing, but it is our capital. Not Sydney. People think it's Sydney. Or Melbourne. Yeah. I've come into people. Anyway. So, he is like, screw this, I'm just leaving. Well, it's more like I have nowhere to go. I have to move home. Has he been convicted yet? No. That's why it was adjourned until November. Now, Knight found pressure after pressure waiting for him in Melbourne. 
His girlfriend no longer wanted anything to do with him. I wonder why. Because she started dating a young man who was headed to the military college to be trained as an officer who returned as a drunkard who just stabbed his superior officer. Yeah, he was meant to graduate as a lieutenant, but that was out the window now. I don't know about you guys, but if you're going to do that to your partner, they may leave you. And if you leave them, they may kill somebody. Uh, no, he- no, 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 bad Holly. <laughs> if you're in an abusive relationship, leave them for the love I of God. Walk away. At you. Oh, me? <laughs> if you leave, I may kill somebody. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yes. Right, right. Although I'm a bit surprised at your reaction. Anyway. What? To, to like, if you're in an abusive relationship, leave the person who's abusing you? No, I'm completely against exactly that sentiment. Like, you should leave them as soon as you fucking can. Absolutely. Uh, His mother had turned his childhood room into an extra sitting room. Now, he was supposed to be very close to his mother, so he felt that this was a very big betrayal. Uh, he had no Ooh, job. We got another mummy's boy. Yeah, we got a mummy's boy. Oh, serial killers and mummy's boys. Yeah, that you gotta love it. Like, son of Sam had mummy issues, right? He was a big one because he had an adopted. And again, you know, similar adopted to mum. Yep. yeah, Julian Knight. It was an adopted mother. Uh, Ed you know, Kemper. Oh, Ed Kemper had some big ones. Ed Kemper. He really, really had issues with his mother, which is, I'm not going to talk about it because it's very graphic, but he took his issues out on her over a couple of day period. Uh, I think Ed Gein, Ed Gein was the big one too, because he was the basis for Norman Bates and Psycho. Yeah. Now, Julian Knight had no job and no money, of course, having been forced out of the army. So he was forced to take on menial labor. In late July, he was reported to be working for the Kugi, I'm assuming, clothing line, C-U-G-G-I, in Melbourne. Kugi. Kugi? Kugi. Okay. Kugi. But they renamed it in 1987 to Kugi, C-O-O-G-I. Yeah, that would make sense then if it went from Kugi to Kugi. Yeah, easier to pronounce, but mm. also a very coincidental uh, date there, you may want to dis- You may want to disassociate from a certain employee yeah. that you had. Yeah. Now, he did feel rejected by his mother, so he attempted to contact his biological mother, Ooh, who he had yeah. soon, who he had recently found out was actually still alive. So that big lie has come to unveiling, and he's now trying to contact his biological mother. And this is going to play more into... For these sort of individuals in their mind, they're going, okay, my life is falling apart, and... Uh, my mother is obviously rejecting me, but you know what? If I was only with my birth parents, I could be the special little boy that I know I am. I can be special. I can be someone. And all I need to do is reach out to them and make connection with re- these real people who know me and understand me. And they would be regretting giving me up and things like that. Exactly. And then we come together and I finally make something in my life. Um, the reality is that that's just not the case. Most of these people... You know, they were given up for a multitude of reasons, be it uh, financial... 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And stability. Uh, being the, the, the product of right or ancestral relationships. You know, things like that. Like, those are the reasons that babies are given up. Um, sometimes you just can't raise a child and it's, it's best to hand it off to someone who who can, who wants to. So for these guys, they create this ultimate fantasy of a family that will help solve all their problems. Julian Knight's problem, like a lot of these individuals, is himself. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there was no response at all from his biological mother, which meant that Rejection he felt number that rejected. Two. Yes. Mummy's rejected him. Mummy two has rejected him. Girlfriend has rejected him. He's got shitty ass labor job. He doesn't have a decent military job, which is where he wanted to be. So the army has rejected him. Yeah. So this dude is getting pushed further and further and further. Again, important to remember though, folks, his own fault. Mm -hmm. On August 7, his ex-girlfriend hosted a party that Knight's friends were invited to, but which he was explicitly, explicitly... Specifically? No. Explicitly excluded from. There, I got it out. (laughs) Good job. Um, Again, further rejection. All these friends are now rejecting him. You're now being rejected from your social circles. So your whole life is just falling apart. And you are 19 at this point. Like, How much did your social circle mean to you at 19? At 19, it was actually a a pretty significant thing. Yeah. Uh, I can recall like all of us jumping in the car and driving to Wagga Wagga nearly every week to have food and to have uh, go watch a movie and you know just get up to no good but it was very important to me it was it was yeah at 19 if i'd lost my social circle i don't know what i would have done personally i didn't actually have a social circle because i just moved away from the two friends that i'd followed from high school so i was on my own anyway it didn't matter that much to me so i'm an outlier don't give me the sad face. <laughs> give me another sad face. It's all right. You, I'm sure that 19-year-old Holly in her future saying amazing was going to happen. Yeah, four years later I met you. <laughs> I was fishing for that. <laughs> Julian Knight also bought a car only for the gearbox to jam up on him. Now, that would have cost more money than he had to fix it, which meant that I'm sure in his own brain the car was rejecting him too. <laughs> 
First I Mike. Almost, I made it through that without giggling. <laughs> my girlfriend has rejected me and the army's rejected me. And now you 1966 Datsun, you're rejecting me. Well, enough. <laughs> You would have kicked the shit out of it. I would have kicked the shit out of it. I just imagine he would have like went into his garage, grabbed a pickaxe and just started putting holes in that thing. Massive wrench and just beating the shit out of it. Smash the windows. Just, yeah. Although that probably would have helped the future events. So he probably did not do that. (laughs) I have another quote from Justice Hamble. On the very night of the shooting, you drank alone at a hotel near your home and you tried to engage strangers in conversation. You tried to speak to a barmaid who ignored you and you felt rebuffed. Rejection number six. <sighs> wow. This is Sometimes fucking stacking up, isn't I kinda, it? I kind of wish that society in general was maybe a bit more, I don't know, sympathetic sometimes. Like sometimes that weirdo at the bar, just just give him a little like- Just oh, send him hello. a free drink or something yeah, so he doesn't just feel say, alone. Cheer up, mate. Like, here's a drink. Here's some some bar nuts. You enjoy that. And just pretend to listen to them for like 20 minutes. It might save someone's life. I'm pretty sure I stopped like at least 15 serial killers by doing that in my lifetime. Just, you know what they're about. Just try and, you know. Or at least ingratiate yourself so if they shoot up the place, you're not one of them. Very good point. On August 9, 1987, Julian Knight spent time in his bar- in the bar drinking about 10 pints of beer. Now, for me, that would have me on the floor. For you, Matthew, that's like a tickle. That's the start. Yeah. 10 pints. I've never drank 10 pints of beer, but I've probably drank the equivalent of that. Insider. Insider. Yeah. Uh, he returned to his mother's house where he picked up his 22 rifle, 12-gauge shotgun, and an M14 military rifle he still had from the armed forces. They let him take the gun they home? They let him take the fucking gun home. Fuck. He made his way to the corner of Hoddle and Ramsden Streets, positioning himself behind a billboard. Now, according to psychologists, he was later categorised as... Quote-unquote running amok, being in a quote-unquote pseudo-commando state, acting out a quote-unquote fantasy, and switching into a quote-unquote military mode... Dr. Bartholomew saw your conduct from the time you fired the first shot as a quote-unquote total ongoing piece of behaviour which, from the psychiatric point of view, once started, would continue until the ammunition ran out or until apprehension or death. The doctor thought that you probably acted in a state of modified consciousness of what was going on and possibly with some degree of disassociation. No, that was Justice Hample again. With everything ready, drunk, with his guns, Julian Knight opened fire at 9.30pm, sending his first shot from his twenty-two rifle. Now, he fired at a passing cars, taking basically pot shots, seeing, sighting his gun in, making ding, sure he was aiming ding. at the right things. You still don't want your car to be shot at. Cars are very, very bad at protecting people. In the movies where the cops pull up and they open the car door... A bullet's going to go through a car door. Yeah, there is two very thin bits of metal. Do not hide behind a car door. Um, The first car hit contained Con and Rita Victos. Rita received minor wounds and Con drove onto the mobile servo, mobile servo, a little down Hoddle Street. No, mobile, mobile. I don't, I say mobile. I'm sure that someone says it mobile. It's mobile. Yeah. Yeah, it's mobile petroleum. And a servo, for people who listen, uh, 
outside of Australia, is our shorthand for a service station. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, surely by now you know that we just shorten words and put O on the end. Yeah, yeah. Butlo, servo, smoko. Yeah, yeah, you can go smoko. Hey, it's Matto over there. G'day, Matto. What are you doing? Uh, we have a quote here from the Camera Times dated August 11. Owner Miss William Spencer said the 19-year-old casual pump attendant who was on his own when the shooting began called her in desperation. He rang us up, she said. He didn't know what to do, he said. I've got one person dead here and one person injured. Do I keep serving petrol? <laughs> Holy shit. I can't remember reading this quote. No, you don't keep serving petrol, buddy. You don't keep pumping petrol. You call the police and an ambulance. And you hide. Poor dude. He was probably in shock. He was 19. He, like- was, he was in shock. People lay under the counter on the floor and all lights were turned off. That comes from Canberra Times, August 11th, 1987. Michael Anthony and Trevor Smealy followed the Victosses and the car behind them driven by Gregory Elliott. Elliott's vehicle was struck, narrowly missing his head. Both cars were damaged, but no one was wounded. Coming behind Elliott's car was Alan Jury and his passengers Monica Vitelli and Danielle Mina. Jury and Vitelli were both wounded and they joined the small crowd gathering at the mobile servo. Mobile servo. Uh, I have a quote here from Monica Vitelli herself. There's a couple of bullets in the front, one on my side and one on the other side. There's one above my head in the roof, one on the side and a couple through the back. Knight fired short, rapid bursts at each car, reloading as he crept north along the nature strip towards Clifton Hill Railway Station, which is why it was called the Clifton Hill Massacre. He fired at every car as it passed him, going either north or south. Raywin Crichton, Bernard Michael and Diane Arnold were the next to be fired upon, but they all escaped unharmed. Sand Wang's car was targeted next and he received minor wounds from glass. Diane Fitzpatrick drove past Knight next and a bullet embedded into her back. The next three cars contained Michael Pierce and Jacqueline Langosh, Isaac Lohman and Reginald Dutton and Dana Sabolki. Sabolski. It's a No, it's Sabolki. Sabolki. Unfortunately, it's one of those Eastern European names that I have a lot of trouble pronouncing. Could you imagine how terrified you would be? You're just driving. You're probably going home, yeah. right? Or... Being that time of night, you're maybe getting ready for the rest of the night, go home, have a shower, go back out, party, you know, whatever you're up to. You're just driving along. And suddenly you hear ping. You think, that's a bit weird. And you look to the left and is that like a little hole that's just popped in my car? Like what could have caused that? Maybe a ping and then you hear it again. And you're like, shit, like what the hell is going on? And then the third time you hear it again and this time you're catching it in your back. I don't see how anyone's brain can catch up with everything that's happening. Especially because oh, this is a rapid fire I, burst, yeah. so it's a couple of seconds at most. I don't think I could. Like, I like to think of myself as a sensible, logical person most of the time. And even I couldn't imagine being in that situation and knowing what to do. Like, I don't even know if I would go, oh, someone's shooting at me. No, just be ping, ping. Oh, what the fuck was that? Yeah, suddenly something's hit you deep in the back. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on. I I can't imagine what kind of thought process you would have to try and work out where you are and what's happening to you. 
Fortunately, those last three cars managed to escape injury. Now, at this point, Knight ran out of ammunition for the rifles, so he dropped it and pulled out the shotgun. Now, thankfully, a shotgun has a much shorter range than a rifle, as I know from playing video games. <laughs> well, it's it's absolutely true. So, when a shotgun goes off, you a, a shotgun cartridge, yes. I think, again, will upset the gun fans, nerds, gun nerds, will upset the gun nerds, uh, so I'm trying not to screw this up, but in a... Uh, shotgun cartridge, you've got all these tiny little pellets. Yeah, they're basically right? lead balls. Yeah. Well, they used to be lead balls. So you got buckshot, which is used to kill, because buckshot, killing a buck. Yeah. And then, what's the other shot called? Duck shot? You've got quail shot, which are tiny, tiny little balls, and yeah. you've got, like, the next size up and the next... It depends on what you're killing what you're aiming yeah. at. So... In that regard, if you're using this sort of weapon at a long distance, that means that the, the pellets are going to have more time to spread out to your left and right as they move forward, and they're going to become less and less lethal as they as, as, as you're covering more distance. So this lunatic is just shooting at random cars with a shotgun and probably not even penetrating the cars themselves. No, he was. Uh, if you shoot through glass, it's a lot easier than shooting through metal. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But... I don't know. Like, is he that good a shot that he's actually hitting he through the He passed his weapons training program. Yeah, true. That's true. I, f- I keep forgetting this guy is at this he's point military, military trained. trained. Yeah. At this point in time, the shotgun blast actually alerted nearby residents who called the police. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Peace. No one else had actually had time before this point. The first call came in at 9.35 p.m. So he had five minutes of uninterrupted shooting before anyone even thought to call the cops. More cars drove through the area with three cars hit. Two of the drivers, Vesna Markovska and fiancé Zoran Trevesky, parked and abandoned their cars for cover, which is a smart move. Is it? You're already in a car. It depends on what damage your car's taken. I mean, for me personally, well, that's a big one. You know, is the car still able to be used? Does it start leaking fuel? Is it starting to leak coolant, et cetera, et cetera? Blown tires. 
I, I personally would be trying to get as far away as I can. Uh, it also depends on the traffic conditions at the time too. Well, most of them had stopped at the mobile servo. So mobile servo. Yep. So, so they were stationary. You're, you're starting to build like backlog. Yep. A police cruiser was flagged down south of the ambush zone and Constable Glenn Nichols and Bel- Belinda Bushier. Bushier? Unfortunately, this is one of those names. I'm going to need your help. I think. Um, they were alerted to the shooter. They drove north under sirens until they reached the Hoddle Ramsden Street intersection at 9.38 and were promptly shot at by Knight. Now, Knight was moving about as he shot to prevent anyone getting a good lock on his location, which is a very well-used military tactic. Yep. And this actually caused some problems later on because the assumption was that there were multiple shooters. Because they were coming from multiple locations. And the problem with this is when you think there are multiple shooters, you're not going to zero in on one person. You're not going to know where to hide either. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to also deviate emergency responders. So instead of everyone piling up to take down night, they're going in different directions. Yeah, just to make sure they don't get shot in the back. He fired at four more cars. The fourth in line was driven by Keith Wingshing who received serious jaw and throat wounds. Now, this is a shotgun, remember, so you can probably Mm. imagine the wounds. I can imagine like a zombie movie where his teeth are exposed. Or Two-Face from The Dark Knight. Quite possibly. Yeah. Knight reloaded again and shot at the next car, this time driven by Kevin Skinner. His wife, Tracy... Skinner! No. I, I had to put it in there. His wife, Tracy, and their son, Adam, were also in the car. Tracy was killed instantly with a shot to the face. Adam, who was on her lap, suffered minor glass and pellet wounds to the face. Jesus Christ, shotgun close range to the face. Yeah, she died instantly and he's lucky that he didn't end up with massive scars. Absolutely. Peter Kermy, a local, and his friend John Musket approached the scene from the west. Knight fired at them, shooting Musket in the head and chest, killing him and injuring Kermy. Steve White, a local pool attendant, ran out to their aid and Knight shot him with his last shotgun shell. Now, I have a quote from Mr. White himself. Oh, head was a a shotgun that just grazed my forehead and the chest was a a twenty-two, and punctured my right lung, shattered my rib. I still have the bullet in my back under my shoulder blade. Most... Sorry, I was just going to say, most of the time when it comes to bullets, if it's not doing any damage, doctors will leave it there. It usually causes more damage to pull it out. To pull it out, yeah. So they'll just leave it there. Especially somewhere like under your shoulder blade where you'd have to move the bone out of the way to get to it. I I actually worked with a guy who, I can't remember what happened, but there was was some sort of ethnic cleansing or something in India. Not that that's unheard of. There was a really violent conflict- not that that's unheard and they, of. They did a documentary on it. I wish I could be more specific, but I can't remember it. But I remember him uh, one day, he was going like, and I was like, are you okay, mate? Like, have you you hurt yourself? Do we need to do a, a form or something like workers comp? He's like, no, the bullet's catching again. And I was like, what do you mean bullet? And he took his shirt and he showed me all of the bullet wounds because he survived. Yeah. But yeah, like two of the, the, the bullets were still in his chest and every now and again, they, they bugged him a little bit. Like, that makes me grip my teeth because, like, I can feel, like, metal scraping across bone when someone says something like that, and it kind of weirds me out. Yeah, well, I have, I still have bits and pieces still left in my hand 
from my operation. Those are called bones. <laughs> oh, look at you. Da-dum. Zing. <laughs> at 9.39, police units started filtering in under sirens. Knight, out of shells, dropped the shotgun and aimed his M14. I can't believe they let him take an M14 off base. Or did he just steal it? I think he probably smuggled it out. Yeah. I doubt very much they would have let him actually leave with it slung over his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, an M4 is a big gun. M14. Sorry, M14, sorry. That's a big gun. Yeah, it is. Vensa Markovska moved from the cover of her car, running for the footpath to the east of Hoddle Street. Now, Knight spotted her as she reached the footpath and shot her. When she hit the ground, he fired twice more, making sure she was dead. At 9.40, dispatch radioed the police air wing that aerial assistance was required. At the same time, a cop on the western side of the street took the opportunity of a break in the firing to return a volley at night, missing him by a couple of metres. Remember, he is moving around a lot, so he was probably aiming at where he was. Robert Mitchell, who had previously parked south on Hoddle Street, ran up the eastern side of the street in an attempt to render assistance to Markovska. As he reached her, Knight shot him in the side of the head. He was dead before he hit the ground. As is the case generally when you get shot in the brain. Well, we have a couple of references here where they survived. One of them you just quoted. It is true. Look, you can survive a a bullet wound to the face. It's not impossible. But a bullet going from left to right out of your head is probably going to kill you. Yeah, it has like a 99% chance of killing you. Yeah. I have a quote here from Mona, a witness and friend to victim Robert Mitchell. We heard about 10 shots all at once. It sounded like, I don't know, two or three guys were shooting all together at whoever was driving past. So, yeah, the witnesses were even confused at where the bullets were coming from and where they should be fucking running to. At 9.41, three police units took up positions on the western side of Hoddle Street while others took up positions in the surrounding area. Knight turned his rifle on Jacqueline Turner and Gina Popianu. I'm hoping so. I think that's an Italian name. Or actually Greek. Both of whom previously drove through the ambush zone. Popianu was fatally shot in the left side as she reached Markovska and Mitchell. So there are three bodies laying in one place now. People keep trying to help though. Yeah. That's... That's a, in, in this horrible situation. In this horrible situation, people are still trying to help. I read one witness account where they thought there was just like a car accident and they got out to try and help and then they heard the bullets. Yep. And then they had to the retreat shots. back to their vehicles. Or they were yeah. shot. <laughs> yeah. Or they were killed. Yeah. Shot or killed. Uh, it's, it's just, even in these worst tragedies, it's always so important because, you know, these, these, these stories, that there are a lot of them these days. It's really important to remember that there are also very heroic people and there are also people willing to help. There was That's the woman who to- led, led people out of the Broken Arrow Cafe and alerted the people near the coaches who ended up getting shot. Yep. Um, yeah, that was Port Arthur. Yep. There was the ambulance person at the Russell Street bombings who shielded one of the victims with his own body. Exactly, yeah. So when we do talk about these stories, there are more often than not also heroes involved. Whether so, they are emergency services or not. Yeah, so it's really important to keep that in mind when we talk about these things. Knight turned the gun on a car driven by John Finn, who received only minor wounds. 
Next, Knight shot at a car driven by apprentice chef Andrew Hack. Now, I actually have a quote here from him. Uh, I stopped. Then I see these two blokes in the gutter and I felt like I wanted to get out and help them. As soon as I opened the door, boom, I heard another shot. Andrew Hack drove three kilometres to his workplace where he was met by workmates. He had shrapnel wounds in his shoulder and a bullet in his side. He didn't actually know what had happened. We thought he'd been in a fight or something because he's young, you know. We thought he'd been in a fight or, I don't know, stabbed or something. We couldn't believe when we found out he'd been shot. The police, the the ambulance told us he'd been shot. As Danny Strip, a workmate, and Andrew Hack again. I walked in all right, but every time I looked at it, I felt like being sick, you know. Following Hack, Dusan Flashnik was fired upon. Now, he was left in, he was hit in the left side and bled to death in his car. I found it very disturbing when I was watching news articles of this. They actually had shots of it in, like, the news broadcasts. Him yeah. sitting in his, in his car chair and they had him, like, full frame. Real, and he's just slowly dying. Well, he was already, he dead, was already but, dead, like, he was sitting there and, like, the camera was side on and you could see him and the blood. Fuck, talk about a brave fucking cameraman. Fucking well done, 1980s newscasters. Like, broadcasting that shit. Like, you wouldn't get away with it now. Isn't it so strange, though? In that era, you could absolutely see blood and gore on the news. All of these bodies I saw on the news. Yeah. Because they don't... Look, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if... I think codes and practices have changed about what you can actually show in a news broadcast police are also much more aware of the fact that people are seeing this and they're erecting like shields and stuff so that one a jury tampering people seeing stuff broadcast on the news and using that when they're in juries and also the fact that they're very protective of the general population they're a large subset of our listeners are obviously into true crime or they wouldn't be listening to this episode but people like my grandmother um, people like I'm assuming your grandmother once upon a time, they're not into true crime. They're not used to seeing blood and gore when they go searching for yeah. crime scene photos. I, I honestly think even if you are a true crime fan, you don't want to see someone murdered on the side of the street. I can say that I don't pretty- want, I don't want to be watching a newscast. Yeah. Yes, it's about a massacre, but I don't really expect to see the massacre. Yeah. They, it's just interesting how the times change. I don't know. The height of the 80s was like, you know, we need blood and we need violence. And that sells newspapers. That sells uh, our, our bulletin. Even Let's get it up there. Port Arthur broadcast, they were covered by a sheet. Yeah. Like, in these broadcasts, they were not. That's so just- yeah, that's Changing trippy. times, man. Yeah. Fucking trippy. Man, that must have been hard for you to watch. I was though. looking at it and going, what the fuck is... Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. And it was just on a loop, too. Yeah. So, if I had to listen to it, I had to put in a new tab uh, yep. because otherwise it was just going over and over. At 9.43, Constable Bershire called in another ambulance, nominating the mobile station as a rendezvous point for the ambulances, which was now out of night's range. Michael Smith and Jacqueline Medgens were shot at next. Smith received minor wounds, but Medgens was shot in the sh- 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Older. As they drove out of there, two ambulances arrived on scene. But to be fair, like, honestly, you, you're going to want to drive yourself to the hospital. It's probably going to be much quicker. Yeah, especially with all the victims that the ambulances will have to deal with at this yeah. point. And they're going to triage it too. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take time. Yeah. Now, our next quote is from Peter Collins, who was a first responder interviewed on ABC News. Uh, we weren't sure exactly where the actual shots were coming from. Uh, but we were as sure as we could possibly be at the time before we moved. Uh, what happened at that point was the police and the ambulances actually started blockading around the victims to try and prevent any extra shots being taken. So they built their own cars into like a wall and then stood there trying to protect them. Which again is another example of the heroes. Being, yeah, being incredibly heroic. Yeah, because at any given point in time that M14 could erupt through their brain. Yep. At 9.44, the next car to be shot at was unscathed, but then Knight fired on a motorcycle. Now, I I winced when I actually wrote that because I could imagine what happened. Kenneth Station was hit in the left leg and fell to the road. Knight shot him twice more and he bled out before anyone could get to him. So, I I was sort of thinking, like, you get hit on the left side, your motorcycle's going down. Maybe it was the accident that actually killed him, but no, unfortunately for him, like, night comes up, boom, boom. Yeah, at close range, an M14 is not going to be stopped by a helmet. Mm -mm. At 9.45, shot in the next car, and it stopped, then reversed out of there. Now, this is similar to Port Arthur when by the time people started working out what's happening, they started reversing and forcing other cars out of the way. Yeah, yeah. This this is in uh, Port Arthur. They bottlenecked. Yeah, basically. And it, it stopped people and people had to shout and be like, move your car back. Like, this isn't going forward. And then the police rocked up and they actually closed the lanes by parking their cars across it. Mm. Um, at this point in time, civilians are doing that. The police were too busy trying to catch him. So the civilians were starting to block it off. Whether intentionally or not. Knight fired twice more at the car before the car hit a police car that had just arrived on scene. So he's backing away as fast as he can and he just smashes into the front of a police car. Pretty sure the cops would have been forgiving about that one. I'd say so. The first shot into the civilian car lightly wounded Renata Caldebella and the second seriously wounded Danny Caldebella. 
As the car was reversing out of the kill zone, another motorcycle and a car entered Knight's range, stopping near the car that hit the cruiser. At this point, Knight was surrounded by 40 police officers and decided to make the decision to withdraw. Ambulance officers also came under a hail of gunfire as they tried to get victims off the streets. One victim was shot a third time as ambulance officer Mr. Darrell Rituli was dragging him to safety. Police drove vehicles between the wounded and the gunman to shield them from the bullets. And that was the Canberra Times on the 11th of August. At this point in 15 minutes, Julian Knight had used 40 22 rifle cartridges, 25 shotgun shells, and 32 rounds of ammunition for his M14 rifle. Shit. That's a lot of bullets. He was carrying a lot with him. He was. Like, again, military trained. Like, I get it. Like, he's strong enough to do this. But Jesus Christ, that's a lot of ammunition. In his brain, he was basically in campaign mode, so he was carrying all the ammo he thought he'd need. Mm. Yeah, it, let, let's take a break for a minute before we jump back into it and think, yeah, this guy is like, I'm a soldier, this is my gun, this is my duty, I'm in a war, I'm taking all these people out, they're the enemy, they're coming to get me. But the reality is they're not. He's just a piece of shit who wants to take it out on, on society that he felt rejected him. He's in the middle of the road. Of course there are people coming towards him. If you're in the, the median strip down the middle yeah, of the road, yeah. at both angles, they're coming towards but, you. And, and all of these fantasies are just, he's like, ping, 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 ping. Like, it's just going off. Like, he's loving this. Absolutely loving it. And the police, that's an enemy combatant. Absolutely. And they're in uniform, which makes it even easier to imagine. And then the ambulances, they're trying to rescue the people you've already killed because they're your enemy. And the ambulances themselves are big enough that they probably look like massive, you know, foreign vehicles, tanks, things like that in someone who's psychologically disturbed at that point in time. Five people at this point were dead, two were fatally wounded, and another 17 were injured seriously. In addition to the expended ammunition, Knight managed to lose his knife in the chaos. Now, at this point, he had 17 rounds of ammo left. So he's nearly, he's nearly running out. He's nearly becoming ineffective. But remember, 17 rounds, that can be 17 new big victims. Yeah, if you aim properly, that is... Yep. You could even get two with a bullet. You never know, especially with military training. Knight climbed onto the western platform of Clifton Hill Railway Station running along the platform and following the tracks north. He spotted a car at the end of Hoddle Street and fired three shots at it. The police inside bailed when the firing stopped to take up defensive positions somewhere else. This leaves him with 14 bullets. Knight, feeling the pressure come off, sat down in a nearby cluster of trees and had a smoke. This fucking asshole. Like, he, at this point, he's taken a knee, opens his pack of cigarettes. It's like, yeah... I can I can have a smoke like it's 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 quiet enough I can have a cigarette I can sort of catch my breath and then I can go on killing people cops don't know where I am which just goes to show you how he viewed what he was doing mm -hmm. and for him it was a very casual affair yeah it was just what he was trying yeah. to do so he was doing I, it I mean even at this point like the this is something you would do if you're out with with friends or having a drink you're like oh just give me a sec I'm gonna go out and have a cigarette. That's this dude's attitude after he's killed all of these people and is planning to kill more. He's like, just everyone just hold on a sec. I'm going to have a smoke and then I'm going to come back to murdering you. 
At 9.48, the aerial support arrived, searching for Knight with a powerful searchlight. Knight finished his cigarette and headed northwest towards Northcote. He took up a position at the end of a bridge and at 10pm he shot at a passing police officer, Constable Colin Chambers, who was injured in the right side. So now he shot a cop. Knight moved on to Fitzroy North, only to be found via the searchlight. He did what he could to avoid it, but at 10.05 he broke cover to fire three shots at the chopper. His first shot pierced its right main fuel tank. Well, that's a good shot. And it was forced to make an emergency landing in a nearby football field. That's a good shot. That's a takedown shot. And he's eliminated his biggest problem at this point in time. Fuck, this dude is so dangerous. Yeah, past his weapons training, might Uh, I remind you. I know, it's just, yeah, the the fact that he was able to hit one shot, one hit. Well, he had three shots, but yeah, the first shot's the one that broke the fuel tank. Yeah, good God. Knight ran through Fitzroy North, apparently heading for his ex-girlfriend's house. Of course. Where else are you going to go? here we go. This is the thing that people need to also realise about spree killers. And I've, again, in the book we're writing, I've covered this a couple of times. Spree killers who do this, these shooters, a lot of the time they're trying to actually go for one person but they also want to get like punish society at the same time. Martin Bryant for Port Arthur, he was pissed at the Martins because they didn't sell their cottage to his father and his father killed himself. So for Bryant, he blamed them and then murdered everyone else around them. Because once you've committed one murder, you might as well keep going and make it a total. You know, there was a, a police officer who went rogue in America, Dorna, uh, he, he did the same thing. He was angry that the system had failed him. So he shot his lawyer's daughter and her fiance. I remember there being the story of a sniper who was supposedly firing randomly, but it was actually aimed at his ex-wife. That was Muhammad, the DC sniper. Yeah. And he was doing the same thing. He just wanted to take out his estranged ex-wife. That one was a little you know. different though, because he was shooting at random people in an effort to cover up that that was what he was yeah. doing. But these guys always have a fucking target in their heads, right? And it's it's horrifying enough that they'd want to kill these people, right? But if if those are the people you have your beef with, don't attack society as well just to make yourself feel better. Like, but But this is the thing to remember. This is why I say they're not that smart. They're not super geniuses. They're actually pretty fucking stupid. He has murdered all of these people because he's so cowardly, he just can't do what he actually wants to do, which is kill his ex-girlfriend. At 10.13pm, Knight was spotted by Constable John Delahuti and Constable Ralph Lockman, who followed in their car. Now, those are some brave-ass motherfuckers. It's their job. Doesn't matter. (laughs) He's been shooting at cops for the last hour and a bit. Yeah. Still... As they approached, Knight ducked sideways into an alley and turned and fired his last rounds upon the vehicle. He was obviously hoping they'd drive past and he could shoot them through the window as they drove. Della Hunty received minor shrapnel wounds and the two officers rolled out of their car, their service weapons drawn. They managed to stop the car so the headlights pointed down the alley, brightly illuminating the scene, which is smart because you're a few... Yeah, take away someone's cover. If you're attacking a shooter at night, you want to see the motherfucker coming, mm-hmm. whether or not you know he's de- out of ammo. Julian Knight realised that the bullet he kept as a suicide pill was missing, 
He dropped it somewhere, probably on the median strip. That's another fucking thing, too. Who knows where, where the reach of this episode could be. But if you're one of these pieces of shit who are thinking about picking up a gun and killing a bunch of innocent people, the very least you could fucking do is not kill yourself and face the like face the the music for your fucking crime it's so pathetic and it's so cowardly that after murdering innocent people they always are like and now i'm going to shoot myself yeah like Cleobald and harris here, here here's something if you are thinking about this you got your guns you got your ammo just shoot yourself in the fucking head Let's Not that we're just- advocating suicide, okay? <laughs> no. But it's like these fucking mass killers. And, and the problem is they're becoming more and more predominant. Like, especially out of America, we see them now so many times. Like, and it's the same fucking thing. And they always shoot. They, they try and kill themselves at the end. The Las Vegas shooter last year did the same fucking thing, shot himself. So just skip the middleman and just shoot yourself and don't kill innocent people. The coward's way out is often described as suicide, but mm. I feel that the coward's way out is only applies to suicide if you kill other people first. That's it, yeah. It's not the coward's way out if you're also planning to take everyone else out with you. No, it just, is the coward's yeah, way so out if you're that killing- is, Yeah, yeah, that is the coward's way out for sure. So just like I said, you know, don't, don't kill people. No suicide by cop, no just- suicide by mass murder, just- no suicide at all. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't kill anybody at all. I'm going to completely go against Matthew. Don't kill anybody, even yourself. Hand yourself into the cops and get some fucking help. Matthew did a kind of, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. Go get mental mental health treatment. Failing that, don't kill other people. Yes. Julian Knight leaned out into the car's headlights and dropped his rifle, then slowly stood up from his crouched hiding place with his hands up. At this point, the cops still don't know he's unarmed. They've just seen but him drop the his big hands knife. Up. They've seen him drop the big gun. Mm, but he's got his Whether hands or not up. he's got other guns all over him or a knife or something like that, up. they just don't know. But he's got his hands up. Doesn't mean jack shit. Stop repeating it. Well, see, this is this is an interesting point in this story. And Sank, I did want to talk about a little bit and address here. He had his hands up, so he's not going to be shooting at you like it. Or if he is, he's going to reach really quick. Yeah. And in which case, you probably have a really good chance of shooting him anyway. They say that they were they started shooting at him because they were afraid. Like, they thought he still posed a threat. Yeah. I disagree with the official statement. And seeing as how we're 30 years removed. Something like that. Yeah, 32. You know, all these people probably won't get upset with me when I say this, but... I don't know. I think either they were so scared that as soon as he popped out, they immediately started shooting. I mean, I fucking would. I don't know where his hands are. I'm just going to see a face and I'm going to shoot. Or they wanted to kill him. I'm going to reckon the first one. And remember, we're going to cover the Melbourne gangland killings. Eventually. And we're going to be talking about police corruption in Melbourne. At this time... This is also going on in the background. So we, we've Context talked- is everything. Yeah. So it's it's important to remember. Now, if they were so scared that they started firing, I got no problem with that whatsoever. I do have a problem with police shooting someone with their hands up, whether they've just killed 50 people or not. It's, I think it's important dis- distinction to make. If someone's got their hands up, it's quite evident that they, they can't reach or access a weapon, you arrest them. 
That's the whole point. Just remember the context of this specific situation as he stands up very quickly. You might see his hands, you might not, but all you might see is the white face jumping up. That's why I think they were spooked. Yeah. I think that out of everything, that's probably the most likely explanation is I think they were spooked by him. Della Hunty, sensing a false surrender, shot at Knight, who ducked back into cover. A small standoff ensued before Della Hunty and Lockman finally walked up to him and arrested him. We saw him, we chased him, and when he stopped, he ambushed us. He tried to kill us. He didn't. We fired back, and he gave up and surrendered, pleading for his life, because he's a coward. And that's a direct quote from Della Hunty. And here's one from Chief Constable Kevin Holliday. Well, it would appear at the time he was grabbed, he was out of ammunition. Whether our constable knew that or not, I'm not in a position to say at this point in time. So basically the same point I raised was quite possibly raised at the time for the Chief Constable to actually have to comment on it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Knight did so well under his combat tactics that he had the police convinced there was more than one shooter. As the following witness attested, it was a very heated on scene. This policeman was putting out white tape and he'd seen me in the bushes and he didn't know I was there. And he got pretty nervous. He was pointing his gun and screaming for me to roll over with my hands up. That was pretty scary. That was Martin Mayher. The shooting took place in a residential area. More than just the people directly involved in the shooting found it hard to sleep for a few days afterwards. You feel very sad when something like this happens. It upsets everybody. I never went to sleep after, and yet I'd taken some sleeping tablets. It was 75-year-old John Kendall who actually heard the whole thing. Knight was driven in an unmarked police car to the St Kilda Road Police Complex for processing. Probably because they were worried someone was going to try and kill him. Yeah, more than this, likely. This is, it, it's actually common practice because when you have prolific murderers, there's a very good chance you'll have a vigilante in the crowd who will want to take them out. Yeah, even the cops he shot at had a chance of it. When they were escorting Knight into the police station to be charged, one of the police is actually holding onto his belt. Now, I watched this footage and it's actually one of the, you know, in the lone gunslinger and that you have the shotgun shells over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. That's what he had wrapped around his waist. Okay, so it was an ammunition holster. It was a shotgun pellet holder. Like, do you think it had the bullets in it or do you think he was using it as a belt because he's a Oh, no, head? it probably had those shotgun pellets yeah. and he had like 22 of them and they don't all fit into in a 12-shot shotgun. Well, the, the amount of ammunition and weapons he's carrying, it makes sense that he's got bandoliers. That's the word yeah, I was looking one, for, yeah. shotgun bandoliers. But to have it around your, your waist, I didn't know people did that. Yeah. I thought it went over the No, I'm pretty sure you can get different types. But, yeah, the one that the cop was holding on to actually escort him in and I'm pretty sure he kind of picked him up a little roughly to shove him up the stairs was a shotgun bandolier. Knight was charged initially with the murder of John Musket at 12.20pm on August 10, 1987. Now, unfortunately, at this stage, seven people were dead and 19 were seriously injured. Um, I did actually find an interesting tidbit as I was researching... Uh, the guns that he used were the same kind of guns that were used as the Kimberley Killer in 1986. Uh, if you want more interesting information on that, episode 10. Jesus, was that 10? That- it was episode 10. Wow. It was the that last was of our Wolf Creek ago. series, aside from the open- ending titles. Ah, so, yeah. Uh, again, though, it shows you 
the devastating power of weapons that were available at the time. Military-grade fucking weapons. Yep. Uh, some of the contributing motivations that people proposed uh, later on, he had a high alcohol intake. Uh, he was $7,200 in debt that he couldn't pay, mostly related to his car, uh, both buying it and trying to fix it. He had a ton of daily stresses, which we did cover earlier. Uh, society as a whole rejecting him. Yep. And he was on bail from stabbing the police of the uh, sergeant in Canberra. Mm. He was also a fuckhead. He looks like an idiot. He does look like a fuckhead, um, but yeah, remember that he was a fuckhead. That's yeah. that's also a contributing factor here. Uh, I I honestly believe like all the constant rejections plus the rejection from the military, which was his obsession, mm-hmm. that was it. Like there, it, it was just too many too quickly. Yeah, uh, I think maybe if these sort of people, I think at a certain point they always have it in them to to commit these sort of crimes. Maybe if he'd gone home and his his girlfriend and his mum were sort of more like, oh, welcome back, you know, let's try and get you back on your feet, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm pretty sure even if his mum had just not redecorated his room, all of this would have been avoided. I'm not blaming the mum, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Like, we never blame uh, the victims or the people associated. Criminals commit their own murders and their own crimes. That's why they are called criminals. I just think, yeah, it was just a succession of events that happened in his life that took this person who obviously has some sort of, you know, antisocial personality disorder. Nobody wants to interact with someone who is obsessed with Nazis, okay? It's true. Just putting that straight out there. Even Mm. historians don't like talking to other historians who are obsessed with Nazis. (laughs) Except for, obviously, white supremacy groups. They quite enjoy talking to each other about Nazis. Yeah, but no one else likes talking to them. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Um, so, yeah, if you have a Nazi obsession, probably try and keep it on the down low if you want people yeah. to talk to you. <laughs> like, a historical look is fine. Context of the entire yeah. regime, fine. But if you're like, Adolf Hitler was the most awesome and, you know, all the Jews should be killed and all that shit that he said, yeah, keep that on the down low. Also, you're, all, uh, <laughs> you're probably a white supremacist and you can fuck off because I don't want you listening to our podcast. <laughs> I feel pretty comfortable <laughs> in taking that stand. That, that, this that's day, a stand that we are happy to take. You know, this day and age, though, that's probably someone might go, it's a bit controversial for you to be saying that. Fuck off. Nazis, fuck off. We have no interest in, uh, in, in your listenership whatsoever. Okay, I have another quote here from Justice Hample. At the same time, there was, and I think there still is, a sense of bewilderment as to why a highly intelligent, educated young man of 19 years of age with no previous criminal history could have done what you did according to all the evidence the answers to why you did what you did lie in your background your fragile and disordered personality uh, note the no previous criminal history because at this point he was still waiting for the court was, case to yep. go through. He's technically innocent of that. Do they even need to do that court case after this? Can't they just go guilty? He absolutely is a I'll fucker. cover that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have another quote from the Canberra Times on the 29th of August, 1988. He wanted to know what it was like to kill and to be killed in combat. His barrister, Mr. Robert Richer... QC told the court. So, yeah, those are basically his motivations. Is He has a shitty personality and he just wanted to find out what it felt like to kill someone. Yeah, he wanted to be a soldier. He wanted to be soldier boy. He wanted to live out his little war. And that's how he decided to do it. 
Yeah, whether after being after facing rejections, he decided to live a little personal war out in public. Whether he had a mental break or whether he was entirely sane and present and knowing exactly what he did at this point, this point in time is still under debate today. Well, the the, the suggestion of disassociation, I think, is credible. I would think that he probably did disassociate from what he was doing a little bit. I would argue like, that anyone who kills anyone else is disassociating to one point or another. It, it depends on the person. Might be, this much might yeah. be like a mile. But, I, you know. I think with him, he was he was just living out his little war. And so it was like playing an imaginary game in his head. You won't I, let me go to war, so I'm going to bring the fucking war to you. Possibly. Yeah. But no, I th- he, was, he knew what he was doing. He was just playing out a fantasy. You know, you can, you know, you see little kids like they're running around with toy guns or sticks or whatever. And they're like, you know, bang, bang, bang. I'm a Power Ranger. It's exactly the same sort of situation. Only full grown men are meant to not still be having these sort of adolescent fantasies. This is why laser tag was invented, in my opinion. So people could go out and shoot people and nobody gets hurt. Also paintball. Paintball Which people do fun. get yeah, hurt. Paintball, paintball and uh, laser tag, quite fun. Within a week of the shooting, the Victorian police offered a six-week amnesty for unregistered firearms. Now, note that this is not saying we are taking all your guns. This is if you have one that's not registered, if you don't want it anymore, if someone left it to you, we're not going to ask any questions. Just bring it in and we'll get rid of it for you. Periodically, Australia does uh, these amnesties. And the idea behind them is that you won't face any criminal charges. If you have an unregistered firearm, they would rather have it melted down and out of circulation than sort of, you know, filtering around out there. Now, sometimes these amnesties bring in some really interesting shit. There was one a couple of years ago. There was, well, not... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was last year, I believe. Was no, the, the it was last still at Belconnen, so it was a few years ago. Well, there was just a recent one then last year, I think. Yeah. Uh, someone handed in an unexploded World War II grenade. <laughs> uh, someone handed in a rocket launcher. How the fuck did you even get that? World War II, World War I. Vietnam. Oh, Jesus. They're just old. Uncles you know, died and they found him yeah, in the yeah. attic or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Or they've just been sitting there as like, oh, I brought On my- the fireplace. Yeah, I brought my, you know, rocket launch home with me. Uh, I don't know how they came across it. Uh, there was 
a service revolver from World War One. There was also, you know, those those pistols. Uh, they're sort of like a squarish the sort German of pi- the kind German of, pistol. Yeah. yeah, someone handed in one of those as well. Um, those were just sort of kept as as those would have gone to the museum. They wouldn't have been. But they can still kill. Yeah. And that's why people uh, decide to hand them in. They're like, okay, great. There's an amnesty here. It's not registered. I can hand this in and I can I can get rid of this thing. So I'd rather the cops have this them. than my 16-year-old decide to play with a fly yeah. fucking grenade. Or, or even if you're an old, elderly person and you don't have kids or you're not going to hand off your, 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 your child's going to inherit your gun and you don't have a kid, you can hand it in. Yeah. You can be like, well, look, I'm never using this again. I'm on my desk door anyway. You know, and you can hand in these guns. Um, the the thing to remember that, that's really important as well is I think the international community has a misconception of Australia. We do have guns here. You can get a license. You have to complete a test. You get your license to get your gun. You go out to your gun range. You can shoot. Uh, if you watch the Olympics... There were Australian have, shooters. I personally know a Paralympic athlete who actually won gold. So Yes, I, I paintballed with that guy. Yes, he was really did. good. <laughs> he was really good for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's just important because I know that there's this misconception out there that, you know, these draconian laws came in and they took all our guns away. They didn't. They ju- we just took semi-automatics away. We took the high-powered ones that you don't need in order to hunt a deer. Exactly. So if, you, if it fires 600 shots in a second, either you are a really shit fucking <laughs> shot, at which point you shouldn't have a gun anyway, yep. or you're not hunting deer. Yeah. Uh, so they introduced the laws, obviously, which we covered in Port Arthur, but the idea is not to take away recreational hunting and shooting. That's still very much allowed. It's just you have to complete a test and then you register your firearm. And then when you're not using it, you keep it in a safe at home. I just got a shot of Jim Jeffries. If it's in a safe, it's not for fucking protection. <laughs> yeah. um, but we don't. Like, I grew up with a, a friend of mine, Gary, who I know listens to the show. So, hello, Gary, again. He likes his little shout outs. <laughs> his shout outs. Uh, his, uh, his home was on a farm. They had a shotgun. They had a shotgun to kill snakes and things like that or to put down cattle, all those sort of things. I know a hunter who sells wild rabbits and that's what he does. He goes out, he shoots them. So, yeah, I just want to maybe like a lot of people say like, look at Australia, like they have no guns, they can't protect. We have guns. It's just you have to follow the rules in order to get a gun. It's like a car. It's Exactly. It's like a car. And then you can't get anything that is so powerful that you would be able to shoot 30 people in a minute. Yeah. That's that's how our laws work. So next time someone says that Australia is like a, a communist nation or something like that, some sort of ridiculous drivel, we do have guns. We just have a lot of safety procedures around owning a gun. Yeah, I just remembered I have actually seen a hunting rifle up personally and up close and it was very strange because yeah. I grew up without them because of Port Arthur. And, yeah, growing up in Chuma, the people used to go spotlighting all the time or shining. Yeah. You know, which you go out, you hunt uh, kangaroos, you hunt deer, whatever you can come across. It's it's illegal on the mainland, but in Tasmania you can shoot them. Uh, Shooting uh, wild pigs, things like that. So, yeah, people 
People do it all the time. It, it's not like we don't have guns in Australia. It's always weird when I read about people being like, you know, Australia, look what they did. They took away all your guns. It's like, no, no, they, didn't. no they didn't. They just made it so that if you are going to get a weapon, you know the safety rules and you know how to operate it properly and you're required to keep it locked up when you're not using it. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Common sense. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I have a quote here from the Canberra Times on the 13th of August, 1987. Every firearm which gets turned into the police makes a worthwhile reduction in the monstrous mountain of weaponry, which this community has allowed to grow up in its midst. Now, that was a quote of the police commissioner at the time. So, you know, pretty high up. They're happy to talk about it. And well, the cops were getting sick of being shot at. They were getting shot at by yeah. mobsters like every second day. Like Be- they, anything to get rid of some of those fucking yeah. guns. I, at this time, especially in Melbourne, you got the gangland war ramping up. You have a lot of violence on the street and we have massacres all the time. In this context, you also have to remember the shooting of Peter Reid, which we covered in the Russell Street bombing, shooting by Peter Reid, sorry, only happened about six months before this. So the cops are still very uh, wary of people shooting them and mm. actually doing a lot of or damage. Or trying to blow them up. Yeah, <laughs> that too, specifically. But they didn't throw away bomb amnesty. It was a gun amnesty because you can hide a gun a lot easier. <laughs> We shouldn't need a bomb amnesty. Look, <laughs> if you've got a gun, if you've got a bomb hidden in the closet, just bring it in. Like we'll won't have a problem with it. Well, like I said, get the pineapple it registered, grenade, you'll remember? be fine. <laughs> pineapple grenade? What was that? When I was talking about that amnesty, how uh, someone handed uh, in the bo- the yeah. grenade, the unexploded grenade. In the end, Knight was sentenced to seven life sentences with no parole of twenty-seven years. And another 460 years on 46 counts of attempted murder. Yeah, so basically you're not getting out of here. <laughs> you ain't life. getting out of here. Yep. You're done. Knight is currently at Port Phillip Prison in Terugenia, Victoria, and was eligible for parole in 2014. And this is very interesting. So, it's only the second time in Australian history that this has happened, by the way. Yeah. So you uh, you come up for parole, obviously, and you're very much interested in getting paroled, see if you can get out on bail. Uh, the Victorian government, however, didn't like the idea of this. No, the Victorian government passed an amendment to the Corrections Act 1986 in order to prevent the parole board from ordering Knight's release, without being satisfied that Knight was quote an imminent danger of dying or is seriously incapacitated, and as a result, he no longer has the physical ability to do harm to any person. Mm. So, Knight, if you want to get out, just cut your arms off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. <laughs> if he's not dead or dying, he's not allowed out of jail. Yeah, well, just it's remove simple. both hands. You can't hold a gun. Yeah. Everyone will let you out. That's my mm. advice for Julian Knight. Cut your arms I off. I wonder if they. I wonder if that they they present that to an option. No Look, longer miss, has the physical you know. ability to do harm. Like, okay. are they going to say you can kick someone so they're not letting him out? Like, uh, I'd say if you're going to guarantee, you should cut his feet off, cut his hands off, and break his teeth. Just make him a quadriplegic. <laughs> Can't hurt anyone. Or there. we can just keep him in jail. Yeah, that probably you know, easier. Fucking Can't horrifying. Can't accidentally kill him. You horrifying woman. I married you. Butcher. <laughs> Uh, the massacre is said to have influenced a copycat killing in Hungerford, UK on August 19, 1987. Now, that is a little bit more than a week later. This happened a lot, these copycats between the UK and Australia. Well, because we got the news so quickly and mm. they got our news so quickly. Yeah. And TV was a thing back then. Uh, 
That was committed by Michael Robert Ryan. Uh, He killed 16 and wounded a further 15 random people, including a police officer, and then, of course, he killed himself. Like a fucking coward would. Yep. Delahunty and Lockman were presented with Royal Humane Society silver medals for their part in the capture in 1991. So that's a little amendment for you. So if you wondered what happened to those guys, they actually got a medal for it. They got a medal for it. All right. Julian Knight is an asshole, not just for killing people, but he's also been tying up the courts. Yeah, he's continued to be a pain in the ass since he went in. Oh, yeah, he's been doing everything he can. Uh, in 2016, Julian Knight was actually declared a vexatious litigant for life. I didn't know how to pronounce this at all. I didn't even give it a shot. So I, I'm, I'm reading almost as fast as I'm talking and my tongue just talked ahead. So I'm glad that I actually said that right. <laughs> Um, this means Julian Knight actually needs permission from a court in order to launch any form of legal action. Because now, in, of, yeah, because he became a pest. In his history, he has sued the government because they won't let him watch TV. They've sued the government because they wouldn't let him have a pen. They've sued them because of this, that, and the other. And basically, the courts turned around and said, well, you just fuck off. Yeah. So, you have a legal right, of course, to pursue appeals. You have a legal right to sue, et cetera, et cetera. But once you become a nuisance- There is a point where they say no fucking more. And that's basically what he is now. A vexatious- Vexatious litigant. Vexatious litigant means that you are just- You're just a pain in the ass. You're a legal pain in the ass. Yep. I have a quote from ABC News from the 30th of August, 2016. Knight has attempted to launch 40 legal proceedings in the decade since being declared a vexatious vexatious litigant litigant and was granted leave to pursue just 10 of those cases, may related to his treatment and conditions in prison, including his denial of a computer in his prison cell and the denial of his request for e-cigarettes to be sold in prison. So basically, a pain in the fucking ass. Pain in the ass. Okay. Not just the government he's been pissing off, by the way. Julian Knight has become a major annoyance to fellow murderers in prison. Now, one in particular was Paul Howe, who killed six people across 11 months in the 1970s. I have a quote here from the Sydney Morning Herald from the 11th of November 2017. Prison officers say that after Julian Knight killed seven in Hoddle Street in 1987, High fretted that he was no longer Victoria's most prolific killer, so he needed another victim. Um, Dick measuring. Dick, yeah. It never stops. No, it doesn't. Even in fucking prison. It doesn't stop. Though I've, I believe Ed Kemper used to do the same thing. There was another serial killer who was murdering people because he, he thought he was preventing the end of the world. Yeah. And I think Kemper used to throw peanuts at him. I mean, if you're in prison and all you can do is annoy everyone else, you might as well. I'm pretty sure that's what Kemper stirred the shit out of that dude. Well, Kemper was 12 feet tall. He could get away with it. It's very true. Marilyn Manson was five feet tall. Pro- sorry. Charles Manson was five feet tall, probably could not have. Um, In an attempt to get even with Knight's record, High helped another prisoner commit, quote, suicide by kicking the cupboard out from underneath him and pulling him down so he was sure to die. (laughs) Matthew just rolled his eyes and shook his head. I've got nothing to this. I'm not. It's dick measuring, pure and simple. Just let it stand. (laughs) However, when Julian. Sorry about the pun. I didn't catch it. Now I wish I hadn't. (laughs) However, when Julian Knight saw that the reports on the Port Arthur massacre nine years after his own, one prison officer said... 
He couldn't take his eyes off the telly. When reports said the death toll was more than seven, he stormed off and slammed his cell door. He sulked so long, he wouldn't even come out for his meals. Dick measuring and he just fucking lost. To an idiot, by the way. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it. When you're looking at an IQ of uh, 132 with Knight being outmatched, outgunned. Someone with half the IQ. And outmurdered by someone with an IQ of 68 who was considered borderline mentally disabled. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt your little reputation. Well, there goes your street cred in the prison, by the way. Mm. Well, you know, if... Julian Knight does have access to podcasts and, and things like that, and they're somehow Well, they said he couldn't have a computer, so I doubt very you much know. he can listen. That's it, it is interesting how restricted their lives are. And, I mean, for obvious reasons. You go out and you murder seven people, you injure 17. Well, no, you don't get to watch television. You don't get an e-cigarette. You don't get to listen to podcasts, and you don't get to watch fucking TV all the time. Like, fuck's sake. Like, I don't- the, just the arrogance of these fucking people drives me nuts sometimes. Uh, Ivan Milat was the same. He got shitty because they wouldn't give him a PlayStation, so he cut his finger off. Oh, well. You know, <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, he's, he's not too far off dying We'll keep either. everybody updated when he actually drops off. Okay? Yeah, when Ivan Milat finally kicks the bucket, we're going to be very gleefully talking about that when that happens, but I think he's he's in uh, palliative care. He's still at, holding uh, on at the moment. Uh, yeah, palliative care up in Sydney. Crossing probably, fingers for more confessions. Yeah, probably really enjoying himself too, the piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Julian Knight. That's the Hoddle Street Massacre. The Clifton Hill Massacre. Or the Clifton Hill Massacre, exactly. Uh, Knight, of course, is a piece of shit, still remains in prison and most likely will never get out. Uh, and he should absolutely stay there, in my opinion. Without a TV. Without a fucking TV or a toilet seat. Just piss in a bucket. And no mattress, just springs. <laughs> yeah, look, in fact, just take everything away so he's got a slab of concrete and a bucket. Anyway, that's how I feel about uh, Mr. Knight. Uh, just quickly before we let you get away, don't forget to check us out on the social medias. You can head to our Facebook page. Just type in Weird Crap in Australia. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Weird Crap Oz, A-U-S. You can find us on Instagram as well. We are Weird Crap in Australia. Uh, feel free to send us uh, DMs on any of those platforms. We always uh, respond as soon as we can. And thanks to everyone who's been talking to us lately uh it, it's quite interesting one of our listeners is from my hometown in Tumut. her name's sally sally thanks for listening but she got her rescue dog chance from my stepfather who's the ranger down there this world is fucking small it is a small world she said there's you're not uh mel's stepdad by a uh, stepson by any chance i'm like yes i am and she went on to explain uh that she'd adopted a dog from him called chance because he has a second chance. I think that's very sweet. She sent me a beautiful picture of a dog, and he looks like a very good boy. So you got pictures of your pets? Send those too. I like watching those. I'll spam you with Talia and Joker. Like, (laughs) I have no problem with this. (laughs) Uh, Now, we are doing fan spotlight. I've got a couple of photos that have been sent to us, so they're going to appear on our Instagram account very soon and Facebook as well. Uh, If you'd like to be a part of our fan spotlight, uh, we're going to try and do it, you know, every couple of weeks. Uh, shoot us through a picture of you in your weird crap shirt and a quote and we'll feature you on Fan Spotlight. Yay! Yay! Uh, Now, if you don't have a weird crap in Australia shirt, how do you get one, Holly? 
You go to Redbubble, Matthew. Do you have the address handy? Weirdcrapoz.redbubble.com. AUS. There you go. Uh, we've also got links everywhere in case you can't find it. You can have a look on our Facebook page and Instagram page. Uh, we've got a couple of great designs uh, that we've produced. Now, we're being very privileged to be able to work with an artist who's been producing some amazing T-shirt designs for us. Matthew's been going nuts spamming the Instagram with his uh, little snippets. I have. Uh, now, we work with... Uh, Ignacio. Yep, Ignacio Di Meglio. And we got Holly to pronounce that Ignacio because I'm awful with pronunciations when and it comes to names. And I hope it's the right one. <laughs> so we hope we did that okay. Uh, but Ignacio is currently open for commission. So if you like what he's been producing for us and you want to do some work with him, uh, easy as all else to actually contact him. Great. He's been a great business partner too. It's been really easy to work with him. Uh, if you'd like to check out his work, you can head to iadm.deviantart.com and you can check out his portfolio there. Uh, if you would like to message Ignacio directly, you can do that at I-G-N-A-C-I-O-D-I-M-E-G-L-I-O at gmail.com. Uh, That's a mouthful. It is. So just put commission in the subject line for him. And you can also find him on Instagram and Twitter. And we've linked him there as well. So if you want to uh, line him up for some artwork, by all means, he's fantastic. And I've really enjoyed working with him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting my T-shirts before your T-shirts. But Ignacio has been doing some fantastic work for us. So we do have two new designs up at the moment. That's the Legends of Australia, which features Ned Kelly, the Lunar Park demon, the Kelly Cahill alien, and the Yowie. And we also have another shirt called Beware the Yowie, which features an amazing design, originally designed by Cassandra Post, and then... uh, Basically, Ignacio just does what he does. by Ignacio. You know, he inked it, he coloured it, he adjusted the line art a little bit and made us another amazing T-shirt. So they're all on our Redbubble shop. Even if you can't remember the website, just go to redbubble.com, type in Weird Crap in Australia. One of our designs will no doubt pop up and you can just select what you want. Redbubble is fantastic because they don't just do shirts. They do mugs, coasters, uh, slip cases for laptops. Phones. Uh, <laughs> phone holders. God, cushions, bath mats. The only thing that you said they didn't do was hats. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. Like every other little, they even do clocks. You can get a clock with the weird crap in Australia logo. I can't on have it. a clock because Matthew doesn't like the ticking. I can't do clocks. I can't sleep if there's a clock in the house. I hate clocks. I'm going to get one, hide it just to see if it works. <laughs> It'll send me nuts. <laughs> I'll, I'll go I and- I don't know what you're talking about, I'll Matthew. Be, <laughs> I can't hear it. I'll be coming in insomniac in, in five of, seconds. It's hard. Anyway. Um, but those are that's something you can check out. If you'd like to support us in other ways, uh, we have our Patreon. Uh, on Patreon, we release exclusive interviews. These interviews uh, usually involve experts in particular fields. Uh, the latest one that we're going to be uploading as of this recording is with Dr. Waldron, who is an expert in... He's a historical lecturer in Ballarat, uh, and he has basically made his expertise on mythology. So he studied Australian folklore and mythology. He's he's studied British folklore and mythology. And we talk about 
uh, the big cat myth, uh, which he wrote a book on as well. We also so, talk about Ned Kelly. We yep. talked about the Yowies, the Bunyips. We it's not just big cats. So if you're interested in all those kinds of things, head to Patreon, drop five bucks, and you can listen to it. Exactly. Um, that money, of course, goes to helping us just produce more content. That money goes to paying Blake. (laughs) (laughs) And also playing our editor, who absolutely deserves to be paid for his work. Uh, We still haven't sent him a paycheck yet. So help us. Help us send Blake a paycheck because we'd love to do that for him. Uh, You'll probably like Instagram a picture of it. Like, they sent me a check. They sent me a check. This is wonderful. I will open a checking account to send him a check. Just because I'd like to. Just print one, man. Um, so that's one way you can support us as well. Uh, we obviously, we get a commission from Redbubble on the merchandise and we also get help from Patreon as well. Um, all of that sort of stuff really helps us out, uh, because obviously hosting podcasts aren't free, uh, because you know, the, the guys who host all of our files, they say, Hey, we need some money for hosting your content. So that's what it all goes to. Is Nothing to is us free in life, except this podcast, but yeah, we would like we, you to pay for it. <laughs> We'd like you to contribute if you think we deserve a little bit of contribution. Uh, potato, potato. And, and we're also uh, we're looking all the time, of course, to get new equipment, to expand the operation. Uh, and if we don't have to work as much, that means we can produce more content. This Holly will have time to research and you might actually get some extra episodes every week. So we, there's there's an incentive to actually give yeah, us a couple of uh, bucks. Uh, around, uh, around our little office, quote unquote office, uh, we've, been, lounge room. we've been kicking around the idea of minisodes. We find little stories that aren't quite big enough to do a proper episode on, but maybe once a week we could do a uh, a 25-minute episode. But that, of course, increases Holly's research time. So, you know, if we can take steps back away from our day jobs, we can produce more content for you, if you think we deserve it. If you don't think we deserve it, then you make us sad. (laughs) Yeah, Holly's- Guilt, 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 guilt. You're really good at that. I know I've been married to you for eight years. No, you haven't. Oh, no, sorry. I've been married to you for three- I've been married to you for three, but I've been living with you for nearly eight years. There you go. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Bit of a delineation there. Uh, Otherwise, thank you all so much for your support. All of your comments. It's just been incredible uh, these last couple of months where we've had such an uptick in new listenership. And Hi, all new listeners. Yeah, and being able to interact with all of you guys over social media. I have to say, I've seen how other social medias are with other people around the internet. And I have to say that our social media is just full of the nicest, uh, most respectful people, uh, aside from one or two bad examples. But for the, the most part, I've been so impressed at how everyone sort of interacts and is, is polite to each other on those social media sites. Keep it up. Strangely because enough. I really like it. Strangely enough, the arsehole is generally a conspiracy theorist. And they disappear really quickly <laughs> yeah, they too. They sort of jump in and say, no, you're wrong. And then they disappear again, which is perfectly fine by me. Um, but yeah, we have a really great community out there. So um, make sure you guys keep doing what you're doing because we really appreciate it. We value alternate viewpoints. Just not very much. <laughs> not when they're conspiracy theorists. And this is why we can't ever get Hol- give Holly a gun because- I don't need a fucking gun. I'm a butcher. <laughs> give me my big knife and let's go. <laughs> anyway, with that scary thought- <laughs> There's that mental image for all our listeners. Yep. With that scary thought there, uh, we're going to leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Weird Crap in Australia. And don't forget, we have so much more weirdness to come. Ta-ta for now.
This has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head to themodernmeltdown.net. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.